Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this episode. Cork City's first Michelin-starred chef on the contrast between a Cork and a Japanese Christmas. A top recruiter on what to do if you're thinking of making a change in 2019. And we have good news from a business we featured earlier this year. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. It's Cork's first Michelin star in the centre of the city, and it is one that came about as a result of passion, drive, and a little bit of risk. Takashi Mizuyaki of Ichigo Ichi, you're very welcome to Red Business. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting us. I want to just ask you, first of all, before we get into the story of how you ended up in Cork and how you ended up opening this restaurant, what was it like to get that Michelin star? Um, as I always say, I always uh, I, I've been traveling uh, in Ireland to set up our uh, restaurant. And then Cork was uh, last place. And then straight away we made a decision and to move to Cork because we have seen uh, some Cork uh, is great arts and products and uh, it's it's beautiful products there a lot so does that make sense then that you got the mission star because of the products it's all down to you my friend you might want you might want to blame the products but it's down to you um even in Ireland, uh, there's no uh, such a Japanese uh, kaiseki restaurant and uh, I put the uh, Irish local ingredients and especially from Cork, West Cork, uh, some of them in East Cork and uh, I use and uh, I put into my Kaiseki menu and that's a very original and uh, very unique, that's what I felt. And then um, Michelin Inspector, they are excited about how I deal with their uh, local fish and also uh, meat, uh, pork and beef, and uh, also seaweed, uh, which I, how I use it as a Japanese way. They are so interested about it. So this, again, just taking seaweed, we have a lot of it. Um, is there anything particularly good about the seaweed we have? Yeah, we use the uh, uh, channel rack a lot, and also sea glass. Sea glass, and I have another uh, takeaway premises, and uh, we use a lot. And it's early spring, early summer, uh, in the season and uh, we go for foraging and then the beach and then just uh, got the full of back of the sea glass and we made a sea glass tempera it's big hit so in other words you literally go down to the shoreline pick yeah. up the seaweed and bring it back and sell it in the restaurant yeah we go uh, I go sometimes by myself uh, or we go to the beach down to the beach with the family and the kids going around, just sort of running around on the beach, and uh, I just got the bag and I just go to the rocky shore area. It's one way of doing it. And tell us how you ended up here, Takashi. How did you end up uh, in Ireland, first of all, before you came to court? Um, I was working in an Irish pub a restaurant in Hiroshima in Japan, and uh, I was actually head chef there for five years, so I was serving Irish food there. And... Then I, I met my wife, uh, she from County Offaly, and uh, she was teaching English there in Hiroshima, and then, yeah, we just started. You just, you clicked. So you were cooking Irish food in Hiroshima. What were you cooking? <laughs> I was cooking a um, cottage by uh, fish and chips, of course, and beef and Guinness. Uh, something like that. So, and uh, look, as as a... A Japanese man having to cook Irish food was it 
were you comfortable doing that or did you always think oh I really want to go to these guys and tell them how food should be cooked <laughs> um, the, at the first I had no idea what is Irish food and I just liked I just liked the U2 at that time <laughs> and some you know Irish dance the river dance was big in Japan at that time uh, still I say and um, but uh, we, I, I was trained from the chef from Galway and uh, that was quite interesting kind of I always liked to new get learn new things uh, new cuisine and uh, Irish food was one of them so you married a girl from Offaly uh, who then like most good Irish people said you know what will we go home <laughs> so when you came here uh, was it always your ambition to open a Japanese restaurant yes um, I made my mission myself, and uh, the first time I came to Ireland, and, and there's no, uh, it's very hard to get the Japanese food and Japanese ingredients that time, and um, then I can cook Japanese food, and then uh, why not? And then there is sushi or some Japanese food in Ireland, but it wasn't uh, the real Japanese food. What became popular? What was the most popular dish you had in those early days from the takeaway? Mm, the first one is a uh, stir fry noodle, uh, yakisoba. That's very common uh, in in Ireland. Uh, but uh, I stopped the menu because I was going to. I wanted to promote more what what is Japanese food, and uh, I always say and open the box. It's like a treasure box. It's not only sushi or stir fry noodle, and there's so many different type of Japanese food. So I want to promote more different things. And when you did that, um, you got people to eat the food. And then all of a sudden you became a very popular takeaway. And all of a sudden, uh, Takashi said, well, maybe we'll open a restaurant. Uh, when did you make that jump? Um, I wasn't going for uh, the high-end restaurant. But there was uh, a lot of demand uh, from the people and from our guests, uh, from our my chef friends in Ireland and then Takashi you have to go for it why not you can do it and then okay so I I thought this is the last one but I want to do the high end the real traditional Japanese Kaiseki style and that's when you found your new home which is down on mm. Fenske you went in there you opened on your first night uh, you had a reputation people knew you were an excellent chef uh, but it's a huge risk opening any new restaurant because most of them end up failing, unfortunately. Mm. Was that in the back of your mind the whole time? No, I wasn't. I was very uh, comfortable, and uh, I have the confidence because Miyazaki. It's been three years open, and uh, we got loads of supporter guests, and then they were looking for. And actually, first day was a lot of booking from Miyazaki's customer. I was so pleased. Yes, in other words, returning business, which is what everybody wants to see. Mm. Um, how long have you been trading now in uh, Ichigoichi? Ichigoichi, it's about seven, eight months now. And you have your Michelin star, and that no doubt has helped people coming through the door. Are, are you confident about the future of the restaurant now? You're confident about the food, we know that. But are you confident that Cork can sustain your restaurant? Maybe other Japanese restaurants might want to open now as well, given that we have a taste for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my uh, Ichigoichi is uh, the last one and uh, it's very uh, serious and uh, this is it and yes um, <clears throat> I just be natural um, I'm not 
I don't get much pressure about the mission um, because, as the inspector says, um, they like what we do. So just be keep standards. That's the most important thing. So focus on keep standards. And that's it. And you're, you're hands on. You're there. Uh, you're, you're, you're part of the presentation, in, given that there is the chef's table and you know, people can see you at work every night enjoying, enjoying the conversation they can have with you. How important is it to be at the center of it like that? And <clears throat> people really want to see uh, what I prepared and then what I serve, what I played in the place. And then also at the same time, and then question. And then I answer the question, and then that, it's like it's, it's like a live uh, cooking demo mm. <laughs> every night. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the last question I have to ask you: coming up to Christmas, um, when you're—I I don't know how much the, of a celebration there would have been at home. Are you taken aback by how big Christmas is since you've moved to Ireland, or was it always this big for you? Always big, I say. Yeah, it's a special. And the first first year, I feel like, well, this is so big in Ireland and uh, because in Japan it's quite big but different way uh, we do just uh, we don't ce- celebrate as uh, in Ireland you don't make a month long event of it as much as no really <laughs> no really and no really I always say like I always had uh, the KFC the bucket KFC in the family <laughs> so bucket KFC cottage pie I don't know how you've managed to <laughs> succeed so far in, in, in your industry Takashi we wish you a fantastic 2019 because 2018 has been a great one for you um, what's the website if people want to go and have a look at, at, at maybe making a booking in Ichiguichi yeah we uh, updating the latest news also we taking booking uh, it's called uh, ie. we wish you and your family a very happy Christmas Takashi Miyazaki thank you so much for joining us in Red Business thank you so much thank you Red Business all that's best about business in Cork now it is the time of year where Many people look at their job, see are they happy with it, do they want to move on, do they want to give another 12 months to their current employer. So it is a fluid time of the year in the employment sector, so no better person to talk us through what is going on and indeed what we can expect in 2019 than Paddy O'Connell with Berkeley. Paddy, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Good to talk to you, thanks for joining us. First of all, 2018, looking back, was it the year that the jobs market came back to life? Uh, yeah, Jonathan, I, I think certainly there's been a huge amount of, uh, I suppose, the market itself has been very, very buoyant. Uh, Berkeley itself specialised in technology and life science, and to be fair, we've seen um, a lot of activity in the market, really, for the last four to five years. It's been, uh, the two, those two main sectors have been relatively recession-proof as such, and weren't necessarily over, um, I suppose, overtly affected by the challenges that we had a number of years ago. But certainly it's been a very, very good year. I suppose what has been notable for us is there has been a lot more activity in the local market with regards to uh, local candidates being more open to making a move. And it's certainly a reflection of the, the positivity that's in the economy at the moment, that a lot, that a lot more individuals that are working with local organisations um, are certainly more open to hearing about new opportunities that are out there in the market. And is that just because there's a bit more confidence out there? Is it that people are sticking their heads back up going, well, maybe now is time for a change? Yeah, I think confidence has a huge, uh, has a huge factor in it. Um, I think candidates now are a bit more discerning as well with regards to the opportunities that new organizations coming into the market or existing companies as well that are looking to expand operations as well there's a couple of key things that are coming in that 
I suppose, that are having an impact. Uh, certainly commute time, flexibility around work, um, kind of flexible working options, I think, is really having an impact uh, with regards to individuals determining whether they want to stay with their current employer or potentially look at other opportunities elsewhere as well. And when you talk to employers, obviously some jobs require you to be on site, particularly if you're involved in manufacturing, for example. Other jobs, there's a bit more flexibility. Are employers starting to realise, well, I'd rather have him for three days working from home and two days in the office than not have him or her at all? More more and more we're seeing uh, inquiries about remote working. And the challenges is, I mean, look, we work across Ireland, UK and Europe. Certain, I, I suppose, regions have a challenge and cities have a challenge with regards um, the whole area of commuting. I mean, Dublin is, 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 is a challenge at the moment, but to be fair, uh, Cork is, is heating up as well. You know, I, I, I was travelling to Dublin yesterday myself and it took me one hour to get from Inishannon to the end of the tunnel, the edge of the tunnel and I left home at 7 o'clock. So wow, you, you can only imagine that's that. That's nice road yeah, levels yeah, of, of commuting hell. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think employers would rather, to be fair, uh, are certainly open to hearing about, are open to discussing remote working options. Um, certainly, you know, the studies have shown that employees are a lot more productive when they are working from home and certainly I'm sure good employers would realise that they'd rather have an employee at their desk at home at nine o'clock rather than them spending the previous hour and a half trying to get to work and another hour and a half to get home. And everybody, everybody is frustrated along the way as you would expect them to be. So with that buoyancy in the market, is it a good time to be in your sector, which is resourcing, making sure the right people are available for the right jobs? There is a challenge. There are a few challenges out there, uh, I suppose. There are a huge amount of opportunities out there. I mean, if I look at the tech sector alone, there's at least uh, three to 4,000 open opportunities in, in the Munster region at any one time within tech. Um, it, do we have the population base to be able to, to feed those requirements? No, we don't. So we have to certainly look further afield, look out into Europe. We're seeing a lot of traction coming through from the likes of Brexit as well. Certainly Europeans looking to make a move from the UK, UK over here. But that brings another added challenge. We have a problem around accommodation. Um, and if we were looking for bringing people further field outside of Europe and whatnot, we've got a challenge around the whole visa situation as well. You, you've written about this, and I've read a piece you wrote about this in the Evening Echo about the accommodation side of it. Uh, that's not going to be solved very quickly. Could that lead to, if not a plateau, then challenges for employers who want to fill those three, 4,000 jobs that you mentioned? It's, it is leading to challenges already. We, we deal with multinationals right down to, to, to SME level. Um, we we know of at least four instances so far this year whereby uh, individuals that are offered positions that were coming from in, from uh, from abroad were unable to, f- to take the positions based on the challenges with regards to accommodation. So that has a huge impact in terms of uh, organisations being able to plan effectively on projects, being able to uh, plan for additional headcount and secure additional budget for headcount as well. So... Look, it's not. It, 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 it's a it's a challenge that's not going to be addressed. I suppose it is being addressed, but we're not going to necessarily see a, a resolution of it for at least two to three years. So that's where the whole, uh, I suppose, flexibility uh, with regards to working practices, maybe new thinking with regards to how to how to hire people. I think remote working is an option there, um, and you know maybe looking at. Um, 
maybe looking at I suppose other opportunity, other areas of, of of addressing talent shortages in the immediate in the immediate term as well. That, that's the glass half empty option. What's the glass half full? I mean, what are the big exciting things you're looking forward to in the next twelve months? Uh, the exciting things for me, I think, is that I suppose based in the sectors that we are working in. Uh, technology and life sciences is, is that there's always organizations and uh, coming in and bringing new new opportunities into the market uh, there's always technological advances uh, companies are hiring um, I mean if I look at, 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 at certain companies within the life sciences space you've fantastic news coming out of MSD and Brainy, Ile Lilly and Dondero and and Biomarin down in Ringeskiddy as well and on the tech side of things you know, there's a lot of exciting things being done with Alexa McKesson and, and, and Clearstream and, and smaller organ, uh, local organisations such as Scraping Hub as well. So for me, the exciting thing is always being able to support clients as they as they scale and being able to, I suppose, play a part in the growth of organisations because certainly any help that we give allows, allows organi- our client um, organi- companies to grow as well. Um, when you speak to the people who look for jobs, the job hunters as opposed to the client companies, uh, what, do you give them advice? What do you say to them if they're if they're dipping their toe? I mean, they have to be serious about this, presumably. And how do you know if you are indeed serious or whether you're just having a bad Tuesday? Um, well, that's a good question, I suppose. Uh, recruiters are, should be trained in the in the art of, I suppose, identifying those that are interested and those that are not. Um, certainly, I suppose, from experience. Um, I suppose from, from from a candidate perspective, if we're talking to individuals that are have that interest in making a move, we certainly would ask, we would be able to ascertain maybe within ten to fifteen minutes of having a discussion with them if they are interested or not. You know, having a challenge on a Tuesday, you know, your bosses has shouted at you, or, or you're having a challenge getting into work doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be looking for a new role overnight. Overnight, I suppose. Certainly, there would have to be a long-standing uh, challenge or issue or grievance with your current employer, or maybe it might be just simply down to looking for a new opportunity, looking for a new challenge. You know, a, a lot of people out there have, I suppose, weathered the storm, have stayed with organisations for five to eight years uh, since the the onset of the uh, when when the, the the recession happened and whatnot. And there are huge opportunities out there, particularly in the tech and the life sciences sector for those that are willing to make a move. So the ones who aren't the tyre kickers, the ones who have genuine need and desire to change job in January, what's the first thing they should do? Well, I'd be doing, doing Berkeley a disservice if I didn't say get in contact with Berkeley, first of all. Um, but no, I, I think for those that are looking to, to put their head above the parapet and are looking at opportunities out there, work with one or two trusted recruiters. Um, do your research in advance. Talk to talk to recruiters who understand the lo- the, the market, understand your skill set, um, and I suppose what your ideal role would be. And then make sure that they uh, keep in complete engage- engagement with you, uh, that they meet with you, that they prep you from an interview pr- uh, perspective. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are fantastic skilled candidates but have never actually gone through an interview process or it might be a long time since they've gone it, through it exactly so there is a there, there is an art to the, to it and you know certainly uh, organizations like ourselves would certainly be in a position to help people like that as well so make sure you do your due diligence on who you're going to work with uh, uh, recruiters or otherwise and then just make sure that they keep in touch with you engage you engage with you and keep you informed at all stages of the process as well. Well, if people want to get in contact with Berkeley, particularly in those areas you were talking about, the tech and the life science sectors, how do they go about finding you? 
Yeah, well, all our contact details are on our website, so berkeley-group.com. Um, we're based in Douglas as well. Uh, we've got quite a number of meeting rooms, which are usually uh, packed out. With, with, with right now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So we'd be happy, any, any, either myself or one of our consultants would be very happy to, to meet and advise uh, any candidates within the tech or life sciences area as to, as to their next career move. Paddy O'Connell from Berkeley, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you have a very happy and prosperous January in 2019. Thank you very much, Jonathan. The only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. Now, to finish up this episode, let's revisit a story we had on a little earlier on Red Business. It was the story of a man and woman who found love and then set up a watch company, which is kind of an unusual thing to do, but uh, delighted to report that Told is doing incredibly well, and Julie O'Leary is with me now. Hi, Jonathan. Lovely to see you. Uh, now, you haven't actually brought Tomas, which uh, he, he's working hard, presumably, on making sure that all the watches are there in time for Christmas. It's been a really busy time, and the reason we have you back is because you have moved the business to the next level. Tell us what you've done. We have, Jonathan. Um, in the last month, we've launched in Keynes Jewelers in, in Cork, which has been fantastic for us. Um, it's just been that platform um, that... People, sorry, Jonathan, I'll start um, people can pop in and actually see the watch, which is exactly what we wanted, I guess, and the one thing that we were lacking with the online store. So um, business has been going really well. We've been delighted. People have been so supportive. Um, and, you know, Keynes are continuing the order. So, yeah, business is great. We're delighted. I mean, when we spoke, the online way of doing things is obviously the future, but what you've done is you've kind of married it with the traditional sales as well. Um when you started seeing the stuff in shops, did it change even your own opinion of the company? Yes, it did, to be honest. I suppose we've, we've worked so hard to get the product right over the years um, to be able to go into Keynes and see our stand and see, I suppose, all of the little details that we have we've, and the time and effort that we've put into it. It was fantastic. And it's funny, I think a lot of it is perception too. You know, we, we probably always knew that we had a super strong brand, but it's just to let people go in there and see it visually for themselves. I think it's it's fantastic. It also says a lot about the quality, because remember, we talked about this, uh, and that you, you weren't putting out cheap watches. These were well-made watches made by the finest uh, in the world, uh, and you, you had to, the price had to reflect that. So that's kind of an indication that, you know, you were right not to drop the price, you were right not to go for the bargain basement look, you were to stick to your guns. Yeah, exactly. I think it's very hard as well when you're setting up a business and you're looking to other brands and you can see how well certain brands are doing, that it maybe are a lower price point, and it is tough to stick to your guns. I think Tomas is probably better in that regard. Tomas would be very much like, no, Julie, we're going to... You know, it's a good product. We're not going to do that. Whereas That's the monster thing. Isn't I know. It? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just have this never, never internal belief. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I think with me, I was probably a bit more like, do we need to do what other brands are doing? And I think it's it's very important to stick with your strategy. So if if you do have a good product, you stick with it, and you know you try to avoid doing the discounts and the sales and stuff like that. If you have a good product, you stick by it. And and I'm delighted that. You know, we're we're getting there. You know, Keynes is a fantastic move and we're looking, I suppose we're looking ahead as well and seeing that it, this model is working in, in Cork and, and maybe that model could work well in Dublin and other parts of the country as well. Uh, look, so, Santi's going to be delivering a few of these, I'm presuming, <laughs> over the course of the next couple of days. So uh, to, to the people who will get them, they'll enjoy them. To people who are looking for them, it's not just in Keynes, it's online as well. So remind us of the website. Exactly. So thank you, Jonathan. It's told and co, www.toldandco.com. Okay, well, Julia O'Leary, we wish you the very best of luck. Thanks for coming back in and delighted to hear it's going so well. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Very happy Christmas to you. 
My thanks to all of my guests and to you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or indeed the new shiny redextra.ie. Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.